morning's lesson will be a continuation of what we talked about this morning in our Bible class about the Ethiopian eunuch. For those who weren't in our Bible class, we are in Acts chapter 8 now, and we looked at the remarkable story of a remarkable man and his conversion to Christ. There's a lot of emphasis in religion today on comfort, on security, on joy, I want to tell you, we have a man in Acts chapter 8 who had all of that. And I want to look at with you this morning at this story to find out how he obtained that and the lessons that we can learn from him so that we can enjoy the comfort and security and joy that this man from Ethiopia enjoyed. I want to tell you that his rejoicing was the result of having the right audience, of being the right audience. The eunuch rejoiced because he was someone who was the right audience for the man. And the description 8, verse 27, we read about this man and the description of this man. It says, so he arose, uh, sorry, verse 27, um, behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of, of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. This man from Ethiopia was a great man. He had great authority. He was well advanced in the government of Ethiopia. And yet he had not allowed that greatness and that prominence to cause him to become lifted up in pride. He still understood that he had a need for God. And it says this man from Ethiopia was in charge of all the queen's treasury. He had great proximity to great riches. And yet he didn't trust in those riches. Those riches hadn't taken his heart from God. He still trusted in God. And those riches hadn't lifted him up in pride and arrogance and to where he thought he was somehow better than others or that he was better than having to seek God's help and care. The riches had not corrupted him. And it says that he had come to Jerusalem to worship. What's the big deal with that? Well, here's a map, a map that David has been using, uh, or an aerial view of what David's been showing us in our Wednesday night class of, uh, of the mid region of the Middle East. We, represent, we realize there's Egypt over here. Um, Somewhere, if that works, I don't know. In uh, Egypt's over here. We've got the uh, Red Sea here. South of here somewhere. We're not exactly sure where Ethiopia was. And he had come all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. We understand that that was some great distance. He likely had come around 1,500 miles. This is a real man who came from a real place and made a real trip to worship God. About 1,500 miles. It may have taken him about two weeks to make that trip. We're not talking about riding along in a limousine with tinted windows. In luxury, he was riding in a chariot, a bumpy chariot, a dusty chariot, a chariot that had no air conditioning, chariot that would have been uncomfortable, yet he came that great distance. Why? To worship God. 
Worshiping God was a priority for this man. His heart was in the right place. He wanted to worship the Lord his God. Would we be willing to make this kind of sacrifice to serve God? Would you be willing to drive two weeks to worship God? Would you turn off the air conditioning and roll down the windows and ride for two weeks to worship God? Furthermore, we know from the Old Testament that when he got to Jerusalem and to the temple, that he wouldn't have been allowed to enter the temple. Because of his status as a eunuch, he would have been forbidden to even enter the temple. And yet he was willing to make that journey to worship and serve God. Imagine the excuses that he could have made. Imagine the excuses that people today would make to excuse them out of such effort to worship God, and yet he didn't make the excuses. And when he, chapter 8, verse 28, says he was returning and sitting in his chariot, he read Isaiah the prophet. He had just made that long trip. He had just worshipped God in Jerusalem. And he's on his way back and he is still interested in learning more about God. He couldn't get enough of God's word. He's reading on his way back. You know, he could have said, I've done my duty to God. I've done what God wanted me to do. I'm done and I can worry about that later. But no, he couldn't get enough. He had a great hunger and thirst for God and His Word. He's reading His Word on the way back in a chariot again. A bumpy chariot would have been hard to read, no doubt. He had an insatiable appetite for God's Word. Do these characteristics that we're seeing in the eunuch describe us? Are we willing to make great sacrifices for God? Do we have this insatiable hunger for Him and His Word? Are we the type of humble people, regardless of what our status and position in this life may be, do we understand our need for God and His will in our lives? I want to tell you the great characteristics of the eunuch don't stop here. The more we read about him, we learn even more things about him that are admirable and need to be representative of our attitude in our life. In verse 30 of Acts chapter 8, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up with and set with him in his chariot. I want to tell you that the eunuch was not afraid to ask for help. Now this is a religious man. A man who has done great things in his service to God already. He's a religious man, and yet he's not afraid to admit that he doesn't understand something. Does that represent us today? The eunuch wasn't worried what other people would think about him if he asked a question. The eunuch wasn't worried that it might somehow damage his pride and his ego if he had to ask for help. Are we willing to do the same today? You know, I'm afraid sometimes we sit in Bible class and maybe we're confused about something. Maybe we'd like to know a little bit more, but we're a little afraid to raise our hand because, well, maybe I ought to already know that. Maybe people are going to look down their noses if I don't understand this about something in the book of Isaiah. Or if I don't understand this about something in the book of Romans. I'd ask the question if I could, but it, it might make me look bad. No, the, the eunuch didn't care, did he? 
He knew he needed help, and he was willing to ask for that help. I'll tell you, that needs to be exemplified in our lives as well today. When we have questions, we need to ask. Not be afraid to ask. I'll tell you, he was willing to ask, and he was willing to ask this man who is obviously in a lower position than him. The eunuch is riding in the chariot. This man is on foot. The equivalent of a hitchhiker in our society today. And the eunuch's not so arrogant and proudful that he doesn't say, well, that man couldn't help me. He's willing to ask for help. Humility is amazing. It goes on in Acts chapter 8, verse 34. In verse 34, And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh this pro- the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Again, he's not afraid to ask questions. This man didn't have that attitude. He was willing to ask the questions. I want to tell you that the eunuch rejoiced because he was the right audience for the gospel. I'll tell you what, what else, though. He rejoiced because he had the right teacher. He had the right man teaching him. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26, in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, at the beginning of our context, notice what happens to Philip. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. Philip was told by the angel to arise and go. But notice the great lack of detail in this instruction to Philip. There's no why. There's no what you're going to do when you get there. Just get up and go. And so he got up and went. Can you imagine the resistance that many would offer today to that instruction that Philip received? Wait a minute now. You're going to have to tell me what I'm doing when I get there. What, what, you want me to do what? Now? There's some other things I was planning on doing. No, Philip just got up and went. He was the right man for the job. And if he hadn't received further revelation when he got to Gaza, he would have stood there looking around. And yet the Spirit said to him again in verse 29, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. The Spirit told Philip, I want you to go to that chariot. And yet again, Philip could have been resistant. He didn't know the man riding in that chariot. He didn't know that, but by the fact that he was riding in a chariot, Philip could have surmised, well, this is a man of prominence and power. This man may be someone who could do something to me. Likely, if you're riding in a chariot like that, you probably got several swords in there. And me going up to that chariot, I'm going to look like I'm trying to attack them. Some bad things could happen. No, Philip didn't have that attitude. Look at verse 30. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read Isaiah the prophet, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Philip went without resistance. In fact, he ran. There was no hesitation. He was excited about doing God's will and teaching others. Is this our our attitude? Is this our attitude that we are excited about doing God's word? Excited about the opportunity to share the gospel with others? Or do we have some hesitation? Would we have run to the chariot like Philip did? Or would we be like that school kid who comes up to your door, wants to sell you the cookies for the fundraiser, and he knocks on the door, he just sort of stands there, and you have to drag it out of him? You want me to buy some of your cookies? Are we hesitant when we receive the opportunity 
to share the gospel? Are we excited? Do we run to that opportunity? I want to tell you that Philip was the right teacher. And the eunuch rejoiced because he came in contact with the right teacher. And we need to be the right teacher for those who are searching for the truth. And I want to tell you that he heard the right message. Philip's teaching was just the right message at just the right time. In Acts chapter 8, verse 30, Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Philip started with a question. A question to understand and assess the student's understanding and his level of knowledge. He asked a question. He did so without coming across as a know-it-all or in a way that was insulting to the eunuch, he simply asked a question. I think we can learn a lot about that as we talk with others about the gospel. Philip started with an engaging question in a way that engaged the eunuch without coming across insulting or arrogant to him. In verse 32 of Acts chapter 8, the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? And in verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. As a result of asking the question and opening the door for the discussion, the eunuch asked the question that then Philip could use to launch in to his preaching about Jesus. He started where the eunuch was, and he went from there. He built on that foundation and went from there. And as we talk to others, we need to do the same. We need to start where they are and build on their understanding of the Scriptures and lead them to Christ. I want to tell you that when he preached to him, he preached to him Jesus. He didn't preach to him any creeds. He didn't preach to him any doctrines of men. He didn't preach to him any teaching or thoughts and teachings of men. He preached him Jesus. He didn't preach what some magazine was teaching or what some human book or scroll had taught, he taught unto him Jesus. And you know what? The Philip, uh, Philip could have made the excuse, well, you know, I've only been a Christian for six chapters now at the most. We're in Acts chapter 8. It's only been about six chapters. I don't know enough. No. He preached to him Jesus. Philip had become a Christian. He knew enough to become a Christian. He knew enough to teach others how to become a Christian. I want to say to you that we have what we need to be preaching to others as well. And when I just preach Jesus, that simplifies the process. I don't need to be well-read in doctrines of men. I don't need to be well-read in creeds of men. I just need to know Jesus and what Jesus taught. And that simplifies the process. He was rejoicing as a result of being the right audience, having the right teacher, hearing the right message, but we can't stop there. He had the right response. In chapter 8, verse 36. In chapter 8, verse 36, As they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip had preached Jesus. 
But when he taught Jesus, he taught what Jesus taught. You can't teach Jesus and preach Jesus without preaching what Jesus taught. And Jesus had taught that we must be baptized in order to be saved. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, among other passages. And so he had taught Jesus, and that had to include baptism, and the eunuch saw water, and he said, what doth hinder me? But I want to tell you that that question has a lot of answers, possibly. There could have been a lot of things that would have hindered the eunuch. He was on a trip. He was traveling. He had no doubt places to be. The idea of getting in the water and getting wet was not probably a real pleasant idea. There could have been a lot of excuses that he could have used to hinder him, but he knew that time was of the essence, that he needed to be baptized. In Acts chapter 8, verse 37, Philip responds, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He had faith. He believed, and as a result of that, he was baptized. And that baptism it meant that, they were, that he was immersed. They both went down into the water. And after this, in verse 39, it says, He went on his way rejoicing. There was a rejoicing. The rejoicing wasn't the cause of the salvation. It was the result of the salvation. He wasn't baptized because he had this great joy. He had this great joy because he was baptized and he had been saved. This is what we want, isn't it? We want the same rejoicing that the eunuch had, and we obtain that rejoicing by being the right audience, having the right teacher, hearing the right message, and having the right response of obedience. That's how we obtain the joy that we want so desperately. The eunuch is a great example to us. We need to imitate him in so many aspects of our life. Philip is a great example to us as teachers, and we need to imitate him as we try to teach others the gospel. But before we leave the eunuch this morning, I want to talk to you about the fact that there was an angel involved in the eunuch's salvation. And there are a lot of people in our society today, in our world today, who are looking for some type of experience, if they could see some type of angel or have God speak to them in some way, if they could have some experience with God, then they would be saved, they believe. But they need that experience in order to be saved. I want to tell you, there was an angel. There was an experience in this account of, salvation, of conversion that we've been looking at this morning. I want to tell you, it's much different than what people in the world today envision would be involved in some type of experience regarding salvation. You remember that the eunuch had been in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is there on your map. And that Philip was in Samaria. Samaria is there on your map. The angel told Philip that he needed to go to the chariot and go and join the chariot. But the angel had to tell Philip that maybe days before the eunuch even left Jerusalem. He meets up with the eunuch in Gaza, way down there. You see, Philip had longer to go to get to Gaza than the eunuch. And, the, and Philip was traveling in a method that was slower than the eunuch. And so Philip would have had to have left perhaps two days earlier than the eunuch. 
so that they could intersect in Gaza. There was miraculous intervention here, wasn't there? But the intervention was on the part of the preacher. Every interaction the angel had was on the part of the preacher. The eunuch had no interaction with the angel. In fact, let's imagine that man's face as he goes on his way rejoicing. I would imagine there was a smile on that man's face that would have been hard to wipe off. Let's say that you happen to see the eunuch at the next rest area after he left Gaza. And he's smiling. And you ask the eunuch, well, what, you got a smile on your face. What's going on? What would he have said? He wouldn't have said anything about the angel, would he? He didn't know anything about it. He would have said, I met a man. He talked to me about Jesus. And he explained to me how Jesus came to be the sacrifice for my sins. And that how if I obey his instructions, I can enjoy eternity with him in heaven. And I did that. And now I am one of his children. And I am saved. You see, there was a miraculous intervention here. But salvation still required the preaching of the gospel. The same response that we must have. We must hear the gospel. We must believe it and obey it. The eunuch and his story. The rejoicing that he enjoyed can be ours today. Do we have that in our lives? We can have that same rejoicing in our lives if we'll have the same characteristics that he had. If we'll have the same response to the gospel and to the truth that he had. How are you living this morning? Do you enjoy that rejoicing? That rejoicing is yours to be had if you'll but submit to God. If there's anything we can do to help you, will you let us know while we stand and sing?